Hello friends, my name is Steve and we're here today to discuss chapters 11 through 15 of Curse of the Mistwraith. Happy to be here with the crew and uh, so we'll go around the room and do some introductions and then we'll get into it. Lots to talk about. Uh, Chibi Poe, will you kick us off please? Certainly. Uh, I'm Chibi Poe, just a long-time reader of Jenny's work and happy to be here. Nice. Very nice. My name's Chris Moen, sometimes YouTuber. Uh, sometimes appear on Steve's channel and uh, first-time reader of Curse of the Mistress. Gerard? Uh, my name is Jared, and uh, I'm a YouTuber as well, and uh, this is the first time I've read Curse of the Mistress as well. <laughs> and I'm Vasha. I am also um, a YouTuber, I guess. Um, I have a very small channel that I post on occasionally. Um, yeah, my first time reading through, and I think this was the, I had read part of this book before, and this was the first section that I hadn't read before, so it was very interesting. Nice. Glad everyone can make it. And uh, just want to mention before we get into it, that next Saturday at 6 p.m. is our live stream with Jenny to discuss the book, uh, the whole book. And then after that, for book two, we will be taking a little bit of a break. We'll come back on May 14th to, we'll meet on May 14th and we'll meet every other week to discuss four chapters at a time. So it'll be nice. a little bit easier of a reading pace, won't be as, as fast as this one. So uh, anyone who wants to jump on, anyone's welcome to, uh, to join us. Just check the forum and tell us you want to be here. We'd love to have you. So. So every uh, every meetup, Johnny does send us some some notes to reference, so we, we can kind of we'll reference back to those. But uh, for uh, for chapter eleven, what what was everyone's thoughts or kind of what stood out to you? Lots to I know there's a lot, but you know, there's, there's so much going on. I have to, this is so weird to read a book and kind of go right. I feel like I I understood the events of what happened there. But I don't actually understand necessarily what it actually means. It feels like everything's just very piecemeal led to me to kind of say, oh, here, here's a sentence. You know it's probably significant, but you know, I'm not gonna give you really the proper context for it yet. So I have a couple of those from this from this chapter. Um because it starts with obviously directly following on from the, end of the last one where the Koreani kind of attempt has been foiled at the scrying from the previous. The previous section and kind of marathon and uh somebody else come over here it was we're basically having a laugh about it was it must be the car uh about yeah. turning them a bit aside and and, and saying but the a asander basically comes in to tell them off to say whoa <laughs> what are you laughing about this is no laughing matter young man <laughs> <laughs> I think I think for me this was a chapter in which I went, oh that's so cool because of the uh time aspect of the mistrade that they discovered. It, it's in this chapter, right? Yeah. Um and that was really interesting, like all these layers and dimensions to the world that are getting added now. Hmm. Um and I think almost immediately we see um set we're also trying to uh now that they actually um I think the conclusion that it is time aspected, it felt a bit like, you know, they jumped many levels of logic to get there. I didn't 
understand how they came to that conclusion. Um, I didn't feel like they had a lot more new information now than they had with, um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, that's probably me missing something. But yeah, they did. But once they came to that conclusion, I felt like that that was really cool what they thought of. Yeah, so, some of the magic, um, when they come to those, like you said, come to those conclusions like that, um, you know, it doesn't seem like it's fully explained at the time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and I think in this chapter, they um, they came to some kind of conclusion that it's like in a live force of some sort or something like that. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was a pretty significant um revelation <laughs> yeah. i think it's interesting because there's sort of and i did like this sort of like sci-fi elements to play here there's a lot of sci-fi ideas here between phasing and timing and all of that kind of stuff that's going on within this like this couldn't be a more fantasy context <laughs> yeah. uh, but lots of really like super heavy and big sci-fi ideas that are kind of floating about and it's not the only one within this series of five chapters that, that obviously we'll get to some other ones but i think yeah, that yeah. idea that that it kind of the mist could be a containing force as much as as you know hmm. being anything else i thought was yeah okay yeah yeah i think that was one section where uh they were talking about the strings that made up the universe and i was like oh is this inspired by like string theory maybe and uh yeah there's a lot of interesting uh, I can I'm, weigh on that. I've, she's talked about that before. That it, yeah, you know, string theory and oh, um, uh, nice. uh, like quantum physics and stuff has underpins a lot of what how things work here. Okay. Very cool. Uh, but yeah, no, they uh, as I remember with that, you know, it opens up with them, you know, having their laugh off about um, uh, Arathon and Dakar, you know, tossing, uh, you know, upsetting the scrying, and then. Um, then you get some bits where Aerith and, you know, uh, um, finally makes his decision about the crown and then, um, and then we get to the whole bit where, you know, he and Lysire are talking and, you know, what goes down there and, yeah, it's like, you know, since they can't, you know, um, you know, like they'd mentioned, I think at some point before that, you know, the Paravians just like went up and disappeared. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't really have any idea, you know, any way to um, determine what, what the mist race was. They thought it was like a thing, but not necessarily a sentient force. Mm -hmm. And then, right. Yeah. We learned, yeah, no, there's, there's, there's something more going on here. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. There's like a speech from a Sindir as well about warning about Alera and actually not engaging with her and actually how dangerous it'd be for her specifically, you know, to uh, reciprocate this feeling or even engage with her to let her know that, that she's in. While at the same time, somebody had said the killing tar may admit no force except on the unconditional love as well, mm. you know, which was kind of the compassion was the was the vehicle they used to do the scrying in the first place, but obviously, you know, just kind of revisited it as we go through these set of chapters that the Allura's, um, 
relationship is is both seen as an advantage for the Coriani and also is something that some people are quite unhappy about on their on their end. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, just yeah. Basically, you know, it's like as oh, I mean, this jumps ahead a little, but to the end of you know chapter fifteen. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's like. Uh, even I think Muriel uh, mentions it. She's, um, yeah, you've got, you've got to be careful that girl. She yeah. hasn't sent her off back to, you know, um, interact, you know, or be near them again. Probably wouldn't have been a problem, but, mm -hmm. um, uh, but because she did, you know, just. It's interesting it, character for sure. Um, <laughs> part of it, it too is it's and it wasn't exactly clear, but it's like uh, part of what set off you know Arith and realizing something was uh, not quite right there was um, he was comparing the um, uh, I guess the impression of Alara that they were using against what he remembered from the um mm. uh from the hayloft and the two things did not quite match because oh, she hadn't, Alara hadn't true. made any kind of realization of that herself one thing that i thought was interesting is uh well on this page it, i forget what page it is i have a picture of it but um Hunched over as a terrified child, the poker dangling from the deadened hands, Dakar whispered, Pure spirit, Ath's mercy, we'd actually be setting the thing free. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think it sort of reinforces the idea that the, the Fellowship actually don't understand very much about anything that's going on here. You know, they have been planning for this for many years. They've been kind of talking about it for many years. But the, the, all this is all new information to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for centuries, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. yeah, it's... Um... Oh, sorry. Is that why they trapped it instead of trying to just kill it altogether? Yeah, but... Uh, yeah, that, that was their fear, was if they... Um, all they were doing was reducing the space that contained it. Yeah. So... Mm -hmm. Like all, all of you know, the, however many spirits are in there, um, uh, eventually were reduced down to, you know, whatever, however much fog you can fit inside that container. I don't know the volume of fog, so um, the ectoplasm, yeah, and <laughs> but destroying the fog, and then oh, the spirits just you know break loose and they all go willy nilly. Yeah, there was there was some speculation between the different sorcerers here, like Sethvir and and Traith, who had tried to. I guess they tried to fight it before. Well, Traith was fighting it at closing the door, wasn't he? I think that was part of it, wasn't uh, he? Was it doing that? Yeah. 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 He said he kind of seared away half of his uh, memory or something, his awareness. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. So this has kind of been a problem. So they had some kind of clue that they needed. I guess they needed. Uh, they need a little more than uh, just themselves to be able to take care of this. Mm 
but it, but it is funny that the fellowship are sort of in the same place as the reader, as in we really don't have enough information to make definitive yeah. kind of observations, you know, and you're kind of, all you can do is kind of take another little bit of information and keep on speculating as to what's happened, which is yeah. the reader and the air doing. So. I did think it's interesting, though, it's like, even though it's like they had no, you know, uh, by their own admission, no inkling that, you know, it was a, a sentient um or that there were all those spirits in there but you know it's just like that comes out but they pretty much you know um they don't miss a beat in developing a way to deal with it they're like yeah no this is new information but we know ways to deal with this so mm -hmm. yeah. so it really drives home that it's like they have centuries you know a long long time of having dealt with a lot of stuff so there's a lot of experience here yeah, yeah. Sorry. I think it was. Also, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I don't know who I interrupted. Sorry. Um, I, I, th <laughs> I think it was really interesting that um, said we almost immediately knew how to go into time aspects and do whatever sorcery he did there. So that's interesting. Both like to what you said, TB Bola, that uh, you know they knew immediately how to deal with it once they had a guess. But also, if that is an area that it's also interesting that they didn't think to check there. Maybe they don't frequently encounter um, beings that can influence across time. I do think they were very quick to dismiss it. It was kind of like, oh, this is all new information. This could be yeah. potentially end of the world. But you know what? Yeah. Let's keep on doing it. Let's keep <laughs> on going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, think, I think we saw the fellowship make a lot of mistakes in this. And I did wonder, so, you know, most stories with a prophecy um, that I have read or watched, they, the knowing of the prophecy leads people to do things that they probably wouldn't have otherwise. This feels a bit like that, but maybe not quite to the same extent, like the fact that they decided to sacrifice Lyser. Um, and, you know, he, they knew that he was going to turn uh, against Arathon at some point and like maybe cause war. And also they were trying to protect their secrets. I wonder if they didn't know the prophecy beforehand, if they would still have made the same choice um, or yeah, like how much of the knowing of the prophecy or reading of the strands led to some of their decisions that that is a very interesting. I, I'm trying to figure out whether this is another story where the knowing of the prophecy is changing the decisions that they make. Yeah. <laughs> but but they, they sort of refer to the idea that Descartes' damn prophecy they know so little about. They really only have, like, readings of it, and as and that classic trope, as you're saying about, where they, mm -hmm. they use or misrepresent the prophecy, they're sort of aware of that, you mm. know, insofar as they don't actually know the finer details of how anything that's going to happen. They... They knew, obviously, that the two brothers were going to be responsible for getting rid of the the, the fog and the mist, etc., in general. And that, in its own right, for us as the reader, even the start was like seen as, oh, that's a good end. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's mm -hmm. good. That that end like centuries of, you know, whatever the mist was, was doing it, you know, for ill. But mm -hmm. actually, you know, without well, what does that mean? How do we get right. there? Is there any cost to that? N none of none of that's known. But like the end goal was seen as justified in its in, in its uh, existence you know for doing everything yeah yeah it's also like you know they're, they're working you know on the prophecy note 
you know, they're you know, working with, um, I guess, a little information on it. Yeah. They're like, you know, you know, it's like these these things shall, you know, um, not happen or shall happen until you know this thing happens. But and the only thing that they know is that this thing is contingent on you know Arathon accepting you know the high kingship. Yep. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, and he's still kind of complaining about that in this chapter, this first chapter. Yeah. He, he's not done. Yeah, oh, I know, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, we, we, you know, they thought, hey, everything's in order. We can, you know, we can get that to happen. But, um, and then we get a couple of, um, I don't know if we're jumping ahead a little bit there, but then we get another prophecy, you know, that, you know, compounds the whole thing. Yeah. Now they're like, uh, is this still valid? <laughs> you don't know. I, I think the the black rose the black rose prophecy it doesn't have a timeline attached to it, right? So we don't know if that was actually disrupted because um, Arthon wasn't coronated that day. Maybe you know at a later point he'll come back. Like that, I feel like that that's still open. It and it. I'm trying to figure out why the fellowship is sort of assuming that they will all come to a head in this like short timeline uh, when they themselves have lived centuries and the brothers are probably going to live centuries. Maybe that's what the strands told them. But yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, the interviewing of prophecies, of course, is very interesting. But also, um, I'm wondering if, you know, we haven't seen the last of either of these prophecies. Mm. Likely not. I know they, um, you know, it's like, yeah, we could have, you know, centuries, you know, to, to work this out. And they actually did consider that in the last batch of chapters, if I remember Perchance. right. Mm -hmm. yeah. But then they were like, oh, wait, no, we can't do that. <laughs> because, you know, um, uh, and though for reasons we don't know, it's like the Paravians, you know, would go and disappear. And they're, okay. you know, completely. And they're like, you know, they're like, no, we, can, we, we can't do that. Um, and we don't know why yet, but... Mm. But you, you would say from their point of view, they had all the pieces there in place because they needed the knew they needed the two brothers, and at least for that moment in time, the two brothers were with them. So yeah. to not have done anything with that would have been, you know, folly. You know, it's the kind of Star Wars thing of having, you know, the Anakin there as a like wildly powerful user of the Force. You know, we don't know if there's going to be another one in another 30, 40, 50 years. They, they don't know, but they're working with the pieces. Or Obi-Wan's working with the pieces that he's mm. gone so far. So I think it's a similar idea. Yeah. 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 Uh, from Jenny's notes, she does mention, uh, these chapters have very deep currents running through them that you don't yet have the vantage point to pick up fully yet, as planned. However, close attention to what is actual on the page will hint at, reveal, or imply unseen consequences and deeper implications some of which will emerge into prominence and some of which will explode with a bang as far as as far as distant as the final volume. So there's events here that we're reading that we may not even, but we'll pay off much, much later. So yeah. I love that. That's great. <laughs> Seems yeah. like sit back and enjoy the ride type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, like the, the, the linchpin for the black roses, you know, um, It'll take root on the day Arathon embraces kingship. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's uh, impossible that the way they went about this is they're like, uh, 
uh, we're going to coronate this. And I'm like, yeah, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to embrace kingship. You know, he could be off in the middle of nowhere and just have an epiphany and, you know. Yeah. And, and it's not necessarily kingship of Ratain, right? Uh, like, I mean, he's sort of kind of sort of leading the clans now. Uh, maybe it's for a different group or that subset mm -hmm. group, perhaps. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we, we, we still too have you know the question of what exactly do the kings do? It's just like the townsfolk yeah. and whatnot don't want them back, but we don't really know why. Yeah, um, yeah. Why was the... it's like they're not kings like you know we would think of a king. Mm. Hmm. See, and that, yeah. that question comes to my mind mind as well, but I'm left with a kind of thing at the moment is that. This would be interesting to ask, probably Johnny next week. Is it kind of feels at the moment that it's a kind of anti-capitalist kind of narrative? Is what they're going to do? The, the kind of capitalist capitalism has taken over. Corruption is run rife with the the people that are running the country at the moment, and they're basically doing what they want. And you know they're not happy about kingship coming in, or certainly in a Tarlis point right. of Arathon uh, coming in. So uh, it represents obviously Arathon then looking after the people, the slaves, and the people that have been busy imprisoned and the children. Etc. and showing that side of it and then actually quite cleverly uses it as the stick that breaks Lysir and Arathon's relationships you know to hang it on to say oh that's he showed me that but I only seen one side of the argument and therefore he can't be trusted so it, it kind of feels a bit like at this stage like an anti-capitalist sort of narrative but uh, that would be again quite unusual in uh, like a epic fantasy books with hints of sci-fi and now political <laughs> thing but, but it's, they're all those things are possible yeah, and it's like, you know, we, we see the little bit of, you know, history that gets told that, like, the townsfolk were so afraid of the high kings and the Paravians that they went to the trouble to dam up this river and reduce this entire region to basically a desert mm. in order to, you know, keep them from coming back. Because they wouldn't, you know, with it being a wasteland, they wouldn't, no one would want to go there. And I'm like, mm. that's wow. kind of insane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for how beautiful and awesome we are told the Paravians are, it's interesting that they were, uh, that the townspeople did bad things to them. Uh, so, yeah, I'd be curious if they had real reason or if it's just, um, you know, sort of racist hatred. But, but isn't it interesting when the... Uh, Tarns decide, oh, we're just not going to stand. We're going to take Garthon out before he can even get further. It is mm -hmm. the democracy in the townspeople and the the common voice is the bit that busy says, actually, you can't do this. You know, they actually, you haven't got the support of the people or you will go against the will of the people here and actually they have to hold fire and go about it another way mm -hmm. their, with their turn. Yeah, they do have an interesting... Uh governmental setup going on in these things i remember i think i think janie said that nothing is what it seems as when it came to like governments and how the people govern themselves in these in these er different areas in the world yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> yes you mentioned that in notes for the last set to say that it appears like a feudal system to start off with and i think even by the end of that set of chapters you can kind of see it's probably not just feudal yeah that was uh, it, but yeah. even yeah but even now we're getting another couple of layers to kind of say it yeah. actually still is different again than what you think of it so uh, i think it's constantly evolving you know yeah. understanding of these things yeah yeah nothing's at the scenes because when you get 
point of points of view from characters, but it's always just their limited perception. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, the uh, the bigger picture is always much more complex than uh, what your those characters are giving you. So the the two um, shadow behind the throne people that we meet, uh, it's very interesting that neither of them felt tempted by power. They were both very happy to give up their mantle when their true kings showed up. Uh, and I don't know if that's like total, um, if, if it's just that, you know, the people as a whole are noble, because at least like we didn't get to see um, too much about what other people thought in Lysair's case, but in Arthon's case, people were very eager to dismiss him or to say, oh, he's not helping, he's not willing to fight, whatever. Um, so it's not like, you know, the, the people as a whole have it ingrained in them to uh, to respect uh, monarchy or whatever. But um, yeah, it was interesting. Those two characters, I think, have a feeling I'm going to like them a lot <laughs> in the future. <laughs> Uh, extremely, extremely reminiscent of Dune, that part. Actually, mm. you know, that kind of idea of you make your own prophecy and actually it, it will hold the people long enough that they will keep their place. You know, they basically invent a prophecy there to kind of say, the gender, to say yeah. oh, this person will come along. So when that person does present, everybody kind of swears fealty or, yeah. or a certain subset of people swear fealty immediately. Right. Yeah, she does yeah, mention. Right. Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was in a, um, from her notes, there was a lot going on if you knew and you don't. The full, <laughs> scope of, the full scope of the Fellowship's vantage point. Why did they miss certain signal aspects of the Mistrate's makeup? Why now should this surprise whammy be revealed? There are many, many aspects and echoes uh, certain lines within that we'll return to you later. Not apparent yet, not meant to be. But there is a great deal behind what is not said and exactly how you are limited in seeing what you may al what also may be going on the fellowship's vantage the fellowship's vantage since you are limited to Arathon's ab ability to track it you are def you definitely feel the limit of what is able to parse here so we are like we had mentioned earlier uh, seen through their perspective we're very limited in what our understanding is because we're seen through them so it's uh not sure if who's more confused them or us but yeah <laughs> it's such an interesting narrative choice that you know for yeah, an author to do yeah. isn't it to kind of say get give the opinion look you not know what's going on but neither will the characters so <laughs> everybody's in that together yeah and i am curious about the extent of arathon's knowledge of uh, magecraft as compared to the fellowship i mean he's obviously had far less training but the fact that the fellowship sorcerers wanted to protect even whatever knowledge he might have, um, I'm wondering if he's a fairly accomplished sorcerer himself as well. Like, I, I mean, my default instinct was to assume that, you know, compared to their centuries of knowledge, uh, he's probably, I mean, he just barely probably knows a little bit more than Lyser, but it feels like the Fellowship thinks otherwise. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in, um, yeah, just how much he knows as compared to them. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of, 
he is, uh, you know, as, as uh, this, and I know some, you know, I think some people have, you know, disparaged, you know, his, you know, him as a character for this, but he is on several levels a prodigy. Mm. Uh, like the cars had some 500, you know, plus years and Arathon's easily outstrips him with, you know, significantly less lifespan. Mm. Because we would say that in some early chapters where, like, oh, yeah, you know, Dakar set, you know, awards to protect his money and whatnot. And Arathon's just like, LOL. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's off of him and, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. we going to notice. Uh, Do we know how old Arathon is? Have we ever told that? Um, it's not mentioned explicitly in here, but at this point, he's. Uh, 1920. Oh, that's it. Yeah, Eliza is a couple years older. Um, um, that 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 we know. So Eliza is like three to four years older. But Arathon, so, okay. yeah. So any any magecraft training he would have had would be like elementary school. <laughs> kind of raised. He was like the Mowgli again. Here's another uh, pop culture reference for you. He's like raised by the wolves. He was raised by the mages. You know. Yeah, yeah he was raised uh, by the mages right. until. Uh, I think around 16 mm. and then he okay. went to uh, Carthen and he spent like uh, three years or so there. Um, so he didn't even finish his training really. Yeah. It's referred to in a couple of places, especially when, um, you know, Lysir goes to find chapter 11, goes to find Arathon and he's sitting by himself for isolation. And uh, Lysir basically had said, uh, we're being watched. And you know, Arathon's training had had him to have his senses guarded so that nothing could get in or out. And it was only when he trusted Lysir enough to say, actually, let me investigate this, that as soon as he dropped his training or dropped his guard, that the thing attacked the two of them. Mm-hmm. That, that was basically the signal for the two of them to go. And actually, it's referred to at probably 14 or 15 that, you know, the fellowship say, God, we really should have spent more time building Lysir's resilience and base level training to be more guarded. We 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 messed up right, there. Yeah. That wasn't that wasn't mm-hmm. we failed him there. And I think we referred it over the past couple of things as well, is that nobody seems to be really worried about Lysir's training. It's just like he just has power, let him go for it. You know, there's no Jedi training school here happening. So Yeah. <laughs> I thought I thought we got a little bit of an answer to that in the fact that, you know, they didn't really need him to be trained apparently. Uh they just need him to they just needed to be able to use his power because uh right. who was it karadmon he just sort of like <laughs> used his power like channeled through him uh to use wheel of time terminology but um <laughs> yeah. uh yeah i think that sort of answered the question we had i think a little bit about why they didn't feel the need to train him but knowing what they would they did know from the strands that the mistrait might impact Lysair and then later on from when they uh, when the mistake attacked the two brothers um, the fact that they did not protect like knowing that it can go into your mind and make you do things I feel like they already knew that um, when the first time that it attacked them right and they, they chose to, to not protect him so I don't know if they had resigned themselves to the prophecy at that point uh, and yeah sort of but they were also like you know well we need to have the provians back and you know they, and they saw all the future possible futures you know were 
don't have the provenance back or multiple variations of, you know, Lysaer raises, a, you know, all the townsfolk to war for some reason. Mm. And they didn't have any explanation as to why. And mm. uh, I see. So they needed to let Lysaer go bad, sort of. Oh, they didn't know why he was going, why he was doing it until, you know, well, mm. until, you know, until like the very last minute there. Um, with the cars, you know, a little fit, you know, in the, yeah. um, and then he, um, but I thought it was also interesting is during that, you know, the entire fight, you know, is, you know, they got, um, uh, Karadmon's, you know, permission was, you know, using casting sorcery through his light and helping re reinforce it and everything and is, you know, uh, like compelling him to, you know, push past his limits up until that very last instant. And then, you know, Karadmon's like, okay, you know, this next thing, you know, if you're going to do this, you, it has to wholly 100% be your, your decision. And Karadmon just kind of, you know, vacates, know you know, vacates Lysaeus, you know, address or whatever. I don't, I don't know how you describe <laughs> it. <laughs> so I'm assuming he like 100% like just, detached himself because it's like I, I was thinking about that I was like how did if Carathon or Caradmon was in so close you know uh unity with Liza or how did he not see the um the wraith you know insinuating itself in hmm. you know during that moment hmm. this was later on in like chapter 12 13 13 um, so there was also, I think, um, to Johnny's notes here about... Really? 12, 12, sorry. Yeah, 12 was Conquest. Yeah, 12, yeah. To Johnny's notes here about what the sorcerers know and when they figure out what. There was also another uh, thing that someone mentioned at some point. I think that uh, the mistrait is similar to the creatures uh, or spirits that... Um, are in the Myrtlevain swamp and so they have met a creature like this before apparently but maybe this one's more powerful or has more talents than the other one so yeah it, it almost feels like they had a lot of hints about its nature but there was still something missing um, that, that didn't help them figure out what it could be the um the Mathuri, um mm -hmm. and uh the will the questions about them do come up in the next book um mm. we'll get some info about them plus a uh, definitive answer um uh of what dish the air actually is okay um, okay and what its origins are um so i won't say too much on that because that'll be forthcoming cool. um, yeah, I, I thought it was very amusing that the, that the mystery is trapped in a flask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did did anyone else get uh, goosebumps when in that the three snippets that we get at the end of every chapter? One of them was that the mystery is you know still uh, alive and trying to figure out how it can influence the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love those. Uh... 
trapped in a little little jar brooding. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I love those little uh end chapter mm-hmm. announcements. Oh, they're they, so they, good. They're kind of yeah. like almost uh news flashes, like news flashes. Yeah. This happening yeah. here, this is happening there, this is happening there. And I, I got a kick out of those. I really love those mm-hmm. uh, those yeah. parts. <laughs> yeah, I really look forward to those because they're very much you can get caught up at the end of a chapter going, Oh, you all your focus is solo solo e solo e yeah. whatever that word is. <laughs> 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 on the events that just happened there but it's kind of like here's all the things that are happening in the world don't forget mm-hmm. some we know about some we don't yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and most of them they come to fruition or like you see what the significance of that was almost in the immediate next chapter so it's almost like a preview of what's yeah. coming is really mm-hmm. cool uh, so so on coronation day um and we we get you know lazar making his grand statement and this is where you know like my first few reads through this long ago, um, I wasn't, you know, quite so, you know, um, generous in my assessment, but I actually really, really feel bad for, you know, Lysair, hmm. um, here because you, you can just, you know, completely tell he's been completely twisted around, yeah. you know, like every single thing that happens or, you know, is actions that Lysair instigates and you just watch Lysair also simultaneously just twists around the logic and reasoning in his head to where none of this is his fault. Yeah. It was all yeah. Aaron. There was, I think, a chapter, like one of one subsection of the chapter, either in the one immediately preceding Coronation Day or maybe, yeah, it, I think it was after Conquest, but I think it's called Introspection or something. And that whole section is Lysard thinking to himself about all the things he wants to mm-hmm. change and do right and whatnot. And then immediately after that, I think we see him, you know, basically twist all of his sense of justice to the other direction and i thought that was really sad like what you said that i someone who's capable of thinking so clearly and you know trying to uh correct their previous wrongs or whatever you know change their sense of self even to a certain extent that they get twisted like that i think yeah i i agree with you Chibipo, that 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 is really sad and i did feel bad for him i think yeah yeah, for, for anyone who's finished, um, you know, uh, I don't know if everybody ever got through the rest of them. Yes, I can safely say it's going to get worse. You know, I feel really bad. <laughs> Jared knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> for this book, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but the, um, like, uh, early in chapter 12, I think um, I have this copy. I don't know. I don't know what copy you guys have, but, uh, oh, you get that too. Yeah. <laughs> But it's okay, on. I've switched. switched. <laughs> this is oh, you switched. <laughs> um, but it's on uh, page four thirty-nine. Uh, Lysia is going over the classic, um, you know, ideas of uh, duty and you know, as father's need, the land and the people must come first, and all that stuff. And um, and then later on, after the coronation, and after the battle and all that stuff like later on in chapter uh, 14 uh, it's almost turned around as he almost takes a more villainizing look at chivalry mm-hmm. um, where he's uh, and where he's, he's like swearing to get Arathon and stuff like that. And um, 
it it's like a it, it, you see that that 360 in his in his attitude towards land and people and his in, in his attitude towards duty and how he yeah. and how uh, how he approaches it you know and it's, it was uh, a fascinating uh, you know dichotomy there <laughs> yeah yeah like it's, uh... oh, sorry. i was just gonna say it definitely felt like one of those bits like again reason 1021 why i will never be an author right you know <laughs> and how you can be how you can be so skillful like one of those things like some people write and then other people like really write all that happened in that thing oh, yeah. was that this this year basically give him prejudice you know from from a couple from from one area and exactly the same ex the whole situations he thinks of them in, in exactly the same way but he comes from an opposition of prejudice which is that hmm. uh that Stalin are the enemy of the Amaroth people you know as that and not to be trusted and just that in its own right where he was he was making excuses for Arathon you know he was very much sticking up from all the way along that is now flipped it kind of been sent but they're not to be trusted so if I use that as my lens to view the world through then all those decisions and conversations that I've had are all very much different you know and differently represented it's such brilliant writing yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is. Yeah. This, this is a dude who's just like really closed off and personal and you know doesn't get close to people and you're you're just seeing that as you know you know it's like well they're ever and always amroth's enemy i think is the yeah yeah you know, that's it yeah um, the phrase right after the um they they capture it and he's you know the race like twisting him around and and so all all those little little behaviors are just like yeah no this is all a secretive and he's a schemer and there's something sinister happening here i just know it Mm. <laughs> yeah plus like you know when after he wakes up where he's just like immediately he's like you know he blames everything on earth and even though it, oh, yeah. the one who incited the riot and caused chaos yeah. and everything was Lysaer, it's like no it was Arathon's fault yeah. Arathon did all that <laughs> yeah it was a great turnaround and it happened with Arathon a little bit too from our, mm. our perspective you know the beginning of the book he's so cold and matter of fact and you know just getting keeping them alive and getting them going and uh by the end of the book in the battle um in this i think it was 14 or 15 now he's very all of a sudden he's very empathic and he's feeling everything and then very emotional and uh so it was uh the, you know the, the turnaround of both the brothers half brothers just uh yeah. was so skillfully done it was just beautiful <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah i i especially liked um when from Elira's perspective when Morius, Moriel and Lorenda are looking at the water and uh, what she's able to show them is Arathon's, uh, with all his guards that he tends to put up stripped away, just um, I think his core nature. I thought that scene was really brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, that was... Um... A good one there was some you know interesting stuff there too just like you know um i mean, as kind of mentioned earlier Moriel mentions that she's you know by sending alara on she's basically ruined uh you know very promising into you know talent for them because you know and then but at the same time we see that you know uh Moriel is you know just tired <laughs> and old and you know, mm -hmm. doesn't have a lot of patience for, you know, character flaws and shortcomings. And, you know, we can see she even kind of warns Lorinda about one, but that seems to sail right over Lorinda's head. 
Yeah, I really what, like what she tells Lorenda about, you know, if she has to crash and burn, let her do it because of the decisions she makes, not because you are angry about, uh, you know, some indiscretions on her part. So um, I'm really <laughs> paraphrasing and maybe misquoting what she actually says, but like that's sort of the essence, right? That, uh, yeah. yeah, and I really yeah. liked that. I think that's also a really interesting take on i don't know some some things that we might encounter in daily life as well yeah it's a couple of centuries of wisdom there yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah like i think it's too you know it's like they mentioned you know or alara tried to you know uh put that forward trying to get you know an ally in the Coriani for Arathon and um for reasons that Alara obviously has no knowledge of at this point, you know, it was completely her, you know, the opposite, you know, achieved because, you know, mm-hmm. you know, the scene at the end of um, 10 where, you know, Moriel, you know, and Lorinda got thoroughly humiliated and, you know, wrecked because of Arathon. And so it's like, you know, she's already like, yeah, Moriel had already decided, nope, nope. Nothing Alara showed her was gonna was gonna change her mind. She's like, nope, this 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 guy has to be you know curbed. Period. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. This uh, fear of um, I think essentially they fear that they cannot predict Arthon's actions, and that makes him dangerous. Hmm. Um, yeah, I think that I'm interested to see how that will play out. Um, do you think? Do you actually? Do you think that's a case that they can't predict his actions or they can't control his actions. Because uh, I read it as very much, you know, Arthon is going to do what Arthon is going to do based mm-hmm. on, you know, his, his center code of justice, whatever he's going to do. And it doesn't matter who gets in his ears. It doesn't matter. Asandir and the Fellowship have no control over him whatsoever. Whereas, obviously, Lysir is showing that people can get in his head and kind of go, here, mm-hmm. what, did you see what he did over there? And he goes, yes, what? I cannot believe he yeah. did that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's definitely a little part of it. Like, she's just not going to accept, you know, that kind of power in someone she can't control. Yeah. 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 I, I do wonder, this is just going back to the last set of chapters before that, when she, you know, when they, right before they, you know, with the whole blowing up the scrying, and she rants at Lorinda. She refers to Arathon as, you know, she's like, you know, when she's ranting, she's like, were you blind and witless not to see? The Cephalon bastard's been trained to power. And, mm-hmm. you know, she just calls him a bastard right out of blue, which I mean, okay, you know, I don't think she knows that he was one, but I wondered if that didn't suggest that there's like some enmity, you know, on the part of the Koreani towards the, you know, mm-hmm. Cephalon for some reason. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. There was, uh, oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Uh, there, there was a really interesting section in uh, chapter twelve as well about um, how in the in the far past the the fellowship chose three men and two women to found mm-hmm. the various royal lines, and they were selected for like dominant traits and stuff like that. And I wonder how much of that plays into what's happening now. Um, you know, with these prophecies and with and with uh, their selection of 
how this is all going to work out, you know, it, yeah. it, it almost reminded me of DNA tampering, <laughs> but <laughs> that paragraph yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that yeah. seems precisely like it, except they're controlling for emotions. And yeah, yeah, I think I think we were wondering last time um, that about the implications of, you know, inherited compassion and things like that, you know, and I think that they really uh, that um, explored that in this a little bit. Uh, because I think as soon as Lyser finds out that the trait that he's inherited is justice, he's like basically rethinking his entire life to see mm. which ones were forced and which decisions of like his sense of justice were forced and which ones uh, he mm. probably made on his own. And Elira is also, um, I think when someone implies that, you know, uh, Arathon potentially returns her affections, uh, she's like, no, but he's compassionate, but he's going to be sort of programmed to return that. I think I, I really love that that was explored further in this section. And I'm mm. curious to see how that plays out. And there's also this aspect of um, the fellowship sort of shooting themselves in the foot, you know, like things that you do in, in, um, that you think you're doing, like as a far seeing body, they seem to have made a some decisions in the far past that are coming to bite them right now. And, and you wonder why uh, Dakar is so bitter all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's the hangover. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 have, I have a theory that Dakar doesn't just drink because he likes alcohol. He's trying to forget oh, yeah. something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> yeah, I, I consider he's got a a foresight gift that he mm. can't really control he's probably seen some stuff yeah and yeah i think it was also mentioned earlier it's like and that's just he has like multiple ways to avoid seeing stuff you know just because it doesn't set well with him mm. like in the cabin way back you know after they came through the gate and he, he thought he was going to have a you know uh, vision who while he was holding you know a lithium and he's like nope <laughs> yeah. It. yeah like nope nope I want nothing to do with that yeah yeah, yeah. the yeah. in in the chapter with uh the new prophecy the second prophecy that we still don't know the details of I think um I, I think Chibi Bo maybe you said this during one of our previous discussions at Dakar represents the reader in some cases and i think that's kind of what he was like full-on doing in this chapter because he didn't know what he had prophesied and neither yes. did we <laughs> and he just kept running around mad trying to figure out what it was <laughs> yeah well he had the um as they describe it he's got you know two different sets of um uh uh, prophecies he's got you know where he speaks one like with the black rose prophecy um and then he gets his visions and those can come in uh one of two ways if he doesn't remember it after it happens then it's absolute it's an absolute it's going to happen whatever it is um oh. if he remembers it it's a it could happen interesting uh, right. uh, so so you know when he blacked out and he's like and then he doesn't remember what happened you know with that one thing is just he saw the the moment you know there where you know lazaire's on the you know balcony and you know uh you mm. know denounces Arathon and blasts the you know 
him and causes all the chaos and everything. At least I'm pretty sure that's that's what he saw. Is that what Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think that's what he saw. That's what it implied to me, but I could be wrong. And that is also the scene that Lysair sees when they are battling the Mistrith, right? Just uh, yes. Like just right before the conquest chapter ends, or like the Mistrith is fully bottled. That's the vision that Lysair also has. Yeah, the the thing, and they mentioned it um, where they're like, "Oh, we, we you know, maybe we shouldn't have." Um, Maybe we should have had Arathon be the one to, you know, stand in the breach at the end there, um, and uh, where they and they're examining Lysair and all is, and that's, yeah, it's definitely in here. Is they they realize that um, they wanted to protect, you know, uh, not give you know uh, the Mistwraith, you know, access to, you know, Grand Conjury and whatnot, but. You know, they didn't realize that that you know the horse had already run out of the barn at that point. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it had already you know encompassed the entire scope of everything that Aerith knew. Yeah. I, I think this again, this prophecy coming to fruition is, I think, potentially another instance where knowing the prophecy made it happen, because Arathon was just happily getting dressed, uh, and Lyser probably would have seen him where he was and asked him his questions and maybe, maybe everything would have been okay. But instead, like I said, I caught him running and had additional justifications to um, what he, like, I, I think he got angry that he was running away from his kingship again, right? That, you know, this mm-hmm. means less, uh, no, the people of uh, Itara mean less to him than uh, his uh, need to learn music or whatever. So, yeah, I think that also was brought to a head because Arathon heard uh, Dakar's prophecy. So, yeah, and then um, the Lyranth, very sad. Yes, that. Oh that yeah. My heart. Because <laughs> at that point, he's just—he's not fully twisted, but he's just like, "This pisses me off." Yeah. And yeah. Like that, Satvir and Asandir kept completely quiet <laughs> and did not. They tried not to flinch when they heard that uh, he had broken it. Mm. He did feel bad about it afterwards. Yeah, for really? like, yeah, yeah, it's like for for two seconds. Yeah, it's just for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. I thought there was some very interesting. Um, we saw a lot of magic being worked in this last set of chapters as well mm-hmm. i thought it i really liked how they're all like slow really fine grained workings of magic like with the strands of course we saw that but then when satvir and asandir are trying to heal um or like exercise lyser or um, when Lysa is trying to remove Arathon's shadows, I think the only flash little bit of magic we saw was when Arathon uh, defends himself against Lysa's attack. But everything else is like slow, steady, long durations working of magic, which I think we don't, at least I, I haven't read a lot of books where that's what happened. So I really loved all the descriptions mm. that we saw. Yeah, and the, uh, I like to the, the um in 
yeah, it's 11. Yeah, it's 11. Where um, uh, Deshtia attacks them, and uh, you know, Asandir's, you know, just, you know, it's like they're 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 getting, you know, you know, cornered and overwhelmed, and then it's just like, bam, he comes in. Yeah. But but again, Asandir's magic or the scale of it or the power of it or what it actually does is still sort of unknown you know it just yeah. seems to happen other than this kind of picking apart i think there's that bit very later on when they're trying to rebuild memories and kind of doing that kind of thing that they're kind of saying well what do we take out what do we leave in you know when they're trying to get get rid of the um the, the shadow uh what what is important what's not important and trying to discern i think they all yeah. sort of have that that kind of skill within the fellowship yeah. but but what's as ascendeers actual power what can he do mm. yeah it's, it's very much uh it's like well we kind of get an idea but uh for the most part we see them they walk very softly yeah 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 that's that's one of the things i i noticed that i was trying to question is like okay these guys have been sorcerers for centuries and we don't really see exactly what it is they can do like a sanders very direct with his shadow magic and like say is very direct with his light magic and uh yeah. but the but the sorcerer is like uh, are they in any way related to what a san f arathon and lasaya can do mm-hmm. or is it com- something completely different that they learned and yeah. they did explain a little bit in some areas that you know uh seth fair is a little different in this way and the other guy's a little different in that way and uh, but um it's uh, still it's still very much up in the air i think at this point yeah, yeah. um i oh, know that's that's later i'm not gonna share that anyway. <laughs> there's, there's a really neat scene in a later book that you know drives home uh the kind of power that asandir is really working with mm-hmm. uh, you know, then it drives home that yes, they are walking very, 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 very softly. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, just, um, and then uh, I, I think that was one of my favorite parts of the whole this whole series of chapters is actually getting to know the fellowship a bit better, you know, the personalities, yeah. actually, how their group dynamic worked, you know, where they kind of said no you take that part i'll take that part this is what we'll do kind of it kind of fleshed out that yeah. fellowship for us as the reader a bit more to kind of give us an understanding that actually they are used to working together and that they have areas of sort of expertise and that there are certain people take decisions at certain times like we're saying about carbon when he says no i'll pair up with this here uh, for taking down that part and then decided to step off etc you know for whatever reason that may be yeah yeah and i think it's so in the scene where they're exercising Lyser again, uh, it's not, you know, brute exercise of power. It's they are treading softly, but also they're making decisions that won't really nearly hurt people. Like they they know that they can't separate <laughs> the bit from Lyser that mm-hmm. um yeah. that has interfered with the sense of justice. But so but they clean up as much of it as they can. So it's not because they cannot, but it's because they don't want to hurt him. So that that is interesting as well. That they are very um, cognizant of how they exercise their power. Yeah. yeah. But why don't they? Why don't they though? Because is it because there's further prophecy to be had, or yeah. are they just being um, nice? You know, is <laughs> somewhat tied into you know you know, and they haven't explained a whole lot of it about the law of the major balance. 
Um, mm -hmm. yeah. and they don't, um, they don't take action, you know, and on any, you know, and interfere basically yeah. if they see it in the affairs of man, um, uh, except under very, um, specific circumstances. Um, uh, it's sort of some sort of non-interference code or something like that, or to an extent, man, man, man does things, you know, I know man as in a collective, um, and you know, that's their business and that has to be resolved. If the fellowship are being, um, in the way, if everything were working like it's supposed to be, um, you know, with, you know, the overthrow of the high Kings and everything, um, the fellowship's, uh, intervention would be very few and far between mm -hmm. under very specific, um, uh, parameters it's like it's i guess he's sort of squint is you know implied that if they're going off the um off off script from that um would probably not be a good thing for a lot of people <laughs> um but you know as you said they've been around centuries thousands of years you know um easily and uh, I, I like the the tone of it's like they clearly have a lot of power and they're aware of the you know effects of exercising that power and like with the you know the um, the exorcism of uh, like they are in the wraith you know they're doing their utmost to make sure that you know they don't damage anything on their way out mm -hmm. you know, yeah. like all right well, we, we've sealed off all these things these things will be fine trying to minimize you know the impact of their actions. <laughs> that brings up a bunch of questions. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm hoping some more stuff will get revealed in future books. I'm sure it is. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, there, there seemed to be an implication or at least assumption on the fellowship spot that, you know, when the fellowship is restored it will be the same seven that it was before so the one the two who are missing i guess the betrayer and the one who went looking for the paravians um so i want i mean i figured any seven sorcerers of similar power could make the fellowship but it seems like the fellowship is these very specific mm -hmm. seven people uh, yes um yeah when it refers to that it's like they do have you know allies like uh um, um, Varane and Dakar, you know, and you know there are others too. But um, the the seven, you know, as his prophecy refers to, refers to those those original seven. Mm. So Davian and Saladas, you know, are the the two who were you know incognito. We don't know where they are now. And mm. when uh, Satvir thought that, um, when Satvir figured out the name of the one of the wraiths of the mistrate uh, and he said this used to be human before i thought maybe that um oh, yeah. the fellowship sorcerer who betrayed them maybe brought the mistrate about but um but it wasn't i think it was just you know there is a human some someone who used to be human who has now become one of the spirits of the mistrate I guess. Uh, yeah, the, the latter part. I, I could tell everybody, but like I said, it, it will be answered. So. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, we'll get first, you know, first part of it in you know, ships, and then the full explanation is in Warhost. Okay. Hmm. And uh, for more of Jenny's uh, notes, uh, we get more insights into the Mistwraith during the Fellowship's analysis and clearing of Lysair's possession. Why do they miss this across time? Again, they've been tripped up by this phenomenon. Tuck this away for later. Mm. Yeah. Is this fun for you, Jenny? Is this fun for you? <laughs> <laughs> That should be posed done a really good job not spoiling us on anything. I'm, I'm doing my best. I, I, I'm, I'm biting my lip a couple of times. It's like, I want to talk about this, but I can't do it. Yeah. I, I, she I, mentioned I, that throwaway line in there. Uh, oh, yeah. What this realm will kill for certain is his musical talent. More than that. Yeah. I, I remember reading that. I remember it's like, oh, yeah, that's, that's big. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those lines that, you know, is just. Um, we've got lines here across the books that are just like stuck in my head. Yeah. It's like I'll immediately, you know, can identify a quote from it and I'll be like, all right, yeah, I know where that is and I know when that happens. And wow. I don't know the actual page number, but I, I can go find it, you know, easily. But again, <laughs> what is this musical talent? Because it's obviously just not playing the Laurent really well. You know, there's obviously, yeah. you know, another level to that that actually yeah. is, is, is supposedly really important to the future of the world and all that kind of stuff. Because obviously, Halloran sort of spots this in him as, in as well later on, kind of going like, I can see what he's doing for everybody else, but I actually see it. It's a bit like we were talking about, you know, the musician spotting the other musician, you know, oh, from yeah. across the room and actually kind of going, um, <laughs> I can read in between your actions here, which I think is quite clever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't ha doesn't Halloran uh, despair, um, or uh, does he get another chance? I, I can't remember if he gets another chance to try to teach him stuff, or uh, or is that beyond the chapter fifteen? I think it's beyond <laughs> here, but that that, that is <laughs> that is exploration because Halloran is the guy that they talked about as being the master who he should be apprenticed with. You know, in the yeah. future, given the opportunity that he's promised to. I think that isn't right because he first appeared, I think, on one of those little, there was like three notes between the chapters, you know, as as, as in there. And you're kind of like, all oh, right, he's, he's kind of over there somewhere at the moment. But we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's one of those. Another one I like. What's the line? Um, you are the enemy I never expected to face. Mm. Mm. When does that happen? Oh, yeah. When uh, that's when uh, Halloran uh, confronts him at one point. Um, Mm, right. I right. think it's in chapter 15. Yeah. 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 Take it as. It feels like something red. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I would try it in Peruvian, but I'm not sure of the pronunciation for all the words. So I was like, I'll just do the translation. <laughs> no. You've got to own it, Chippo. This is the thing. You just you just say it like you knew exactly what you're talking about. He goes, Yeah, I heard a guy on a podcast once he pronounced it like this. This is how you pronounce it. <laughs> Yeah, I have to dig into them more. It's like probably in words, but yeah, I just I don't remember all the all the bits. I'd have to look it up, and then I can try and pronounce it. But it'd probably be horrible. So, what is this about the signal discussion they have with Lysair? How do they handle? Sorry, I'm reading off of Johnny's notes. Uh, 
uh, how do they handle his twisting of viewpoint from what they know? I'm trying to remember what that is about. We have nothing further to say. I cannot remember when that happened. Uh, that's post removing the wraith. Um, they make an attempt, and I think this is part of their, you know, not taking, you know, action and, you know, uh, like also Moriel's, you know, views it as a misstep, but Alara's like, you know, was like, um, no, mm. but, you know, where they, they make an effort to, you know, dissuade him from, you know, the course of action they know he's going to take, but, you know, by their own statement, they don't, um, they don't compel or, or at least they attempt to, you know, not compel mortals or, you know, interfere with the course of their destiny. And, you know, when it's clear he's not going to, you know, be budged, they're like, okay, you know, they just, yeah, we, 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 you know, this, this is no longer our, our business. And makes sense. I think it's probably too early to tell, but I feel like the Koreani enchantresses have a sort of opposite approach that they will try to interfere and influence as much as they can to make things go the way they want. Well, they, they are very the opposite. You know, the way that uh, the Fellowship are very standoffish with Lysia and Arathon and letting them have ownership, but they, Koreani are using basically Lyra as a tool. I mean, she is a resource to be spent rather yeah. than kind of to be molded and let run free and kind of... Uh, we need to place in this position. She, uh, as long as she has value, she mm. will be there, and as long and if she doesn't, she will be discarded. Right. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, part of that is, and it's sort of implied here, is you know, because Moriel seems very concerned with, you know, what what the brothers will do and what you know how impacted it will affect things. They seem to be very focused, and as Thunder mentions this way early, you know, that Alara picks up on that. They're very focused on the present and what's going on now, whereas the seven seem to be. They're looking way like as with the strands. They're looking. They're they're. Uh, I don't know a good word. Why I'm failing to find the good word here. Just they've got a much larger view of what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're right. looking huge. They're looking like at everything, and. And the Koreani are like, well, we're concerned about this. <laughs> and so that's a kind of a outline of their different differing of viewpoints. One of them are like very broad, wide, you know, you know, gauging the impact of everything that's gonna happen. And the others are more focused and concerned about only one thing and very much in the now. Mm. Makes sense. Mm. Man, there's a lot happens in five chapters. Holy yeah. Jokes. Yeah. Uh, these, these five, yeah. I was like, oh. And so Arathon in chapter 15, this is when he meets up with the um, the clans, right? Yeah, but the clans with his people, yeah, uh, essentially. Uh, Stephen. Stephen, is that how you say it? Steve, or just mm-hmm. Spain? Or... Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, state. Oh, yeah. I, I couldn't pronounce you, that. You, Jared named him first, so he's now called Stephen for the rest <laughs> of the year. Um, what was it? Yeah, I think there was to what Johnny's saying here. It's interesting that Arathon was the one kneeling when taking the oath of fealty. 
uh, and or did he swear an oath or did the other say no he swore an oath he swore the oath yeah yeah and they basically some said something to the effect of like that'll stick or something to that effect anyway you know yeah it was mm. oh it's it's Stephen. Stephen. Uh, okay uh and he said uh yeah he he took an oath to Arathon, I believe. Yes, he did. And then he's worried about convincing his clansmen. That's that's what mm -hmm. he's worried about. Um, yeah. But I I found that a whole thing fascinating because it's like Arathon just got crowned. Yeah. You know, kind of by force yeah. with the sorcerers, and mm -hmm. and uh, then now he's now he's uh, getting oaths from these clansmen and uh it was it was just funny how that all worked out it was it was it, it threw me for a loop because i wasn't expecting that kind of you know you know one he's in one place getting crowned forcefully and then he's in another place where these people want to follow him and <laughs> but isn't it interesting that i mean I'd, i assume everybody felt the same is that when we read about the, this conversation when he brought the girl and how they initially treated him before the crowning we felt as the reader that Arthur was in safe company at that stage, you know, that he had found his people, you yeah. know, as opposed to every other situation he's been in. Oh yeah. yeah. His other situation yeah. was un almost untenable. And then, yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. And now he's a little bit more welcomed, even though he's, uh, of course he's, this is when like his, his empathy is really kicking in and he's completely worried about these people and, and whether they're going to survive and stuff like that. So he's, uh, um, yeah. as, there's Quite an independent battle. Yeah, there's a big battle coming from them that that will essentially look to, to wipe them out. They seems like they're against the odds, and he's worried for them. But they're very much no. This is what we are here to do. If you weren't here, we'd still be in this problem. Mm. You know. Yeah, huge contrast though, and I, I just yeah. love all the contrasts that go on in this book. It's yeah. just yeah. incredible. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, looking at it, and it's like um, all the the clansmen, you know. Uh, um, uh, you know they they're uh, accepting a or he's accepting an oath of fealty from them you know by the you know they draw their swords and you know plant them down and he has to give them back and all but um at least here he's the only one who actually says anything as far as swearing an oath um is uh Arathon. Mm. yeah <laughs> Through hardship, famine, or plague, I suffer no less than my sworn companions. In war, peace, and strife, I bind myself to the charter of the land as given by the Fellowship of Seven. Strike me dead should I fail to uphold uh, for all people the rights stated therein. Dakaran witness. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And... Yeah, I was curious what he was up to because I'm pretty sure, contrary to what the clansmen thought, he's not just being idle. I, I was wondering if he was maybe setting wards or like planning the battle or something else. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm curious to find out in the next chapters. And also, I guess now he'll take the, eat the leaves and f try to predict the future a little bit. Uh, yeah, like. Um, it, 
at least from you know the ways you behave to him, I don't think it's much of a spoiler to say that at least right now, as of this chapter, um, he's still very much in the you know I I don't want to set ties to these people, mm-hmm. um, and I am going to get them to disown me or slash you know abandon them. Um, yeah, that makes sense. That <laughs> will change very shortly. <laughs> How's that work out for him? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to work out so well. <laughs> There's, uh, so he's able to see the future uh, because of his uh, Sahelis far sight, right? So that must mean that Lyser at some point, will, like he's not trained to it, but maybe eventually he will be able to. So I'm interested in like how all these varying prophecies and predicting of the futures how they all like and they're all trying to influence the events and bring about the outcome that they want i'm curious to see how that goes later on in the series it's a bit of a um more of an innate talent the the sahilis farsight Mm -hmm. um so it's more like you know you're interacting with people and you know you'll you know basically you're you're innately slash instinctively you know, perceiving how the conversations, you know, and what the outcome will be, and you mm-hmm. can adjust, you know, um, you know, accordingly. I see. Mm. You can imagine this. This might be an incredibly useful ability if you're a, a particularly charismatic um, individual <laughs> um, who wants to bind a following to him for, you know, the purposes of, you know. Um, you know, yeah. pursuing a crusade against someone. Yeah. Like I said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think you see little hints of it where like he just he 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 does things. He like instinctively knows how to do things to placate people and get them to start looking at him worshipfully. Mm. Like there's that messenger that pops up who's exhausted and whatnot and he just he's like, No, we're you know, have a seat, you're we're equal in stature and just placates him and the dude's all but staring at him worshipfully within like you know 30 seconds yeah really kind of scary (laughs) as far as you know his charisma and you know insighted people Mm. and i suppose as a contrast arathon had no one willing to follow him except for the except for steven (laughs) uh (laughs) yeah so far at least it's uh like you know, Lysaia, you know, you know, you know, likes you know to have a following, and I mean, I, yeah. I think it's kind of clear he likes kind of having the adulation or yeah. adoring amount of people. He was kind of brought up that way, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, Arathon's a lot more self-sufficient, and it's like you know, it's like I don't think he's going to refuse people, but he doesn't really want to build ties with them. Um, right. Uh. Although at, at this stage, Arthur has the most important people on his side, which is the reader. I think this is very much, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I won't give the context for it, but there's a line in a later book. Um, and I'm not going to tell you who he's talking to or anything that this is from Arthur. I think sums it up really well, um, where he says, don't mistake me for your husband. Um, uh, you know, I've never loved a weakness that can be nurtured into dependency. Mm-hmm. And he's referring to Lysayer there, you know. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm not going to say, you, you know, when 
you might guess who I'm talking about or who he's talking to. Yeah. From that one, one, mm -hmm. you know, you know, but he's referring to Lazare there. And like I said, I'm not gonna tell you any of the context of why he's talking to her or how he's talking to her or anything, but, um, uh, mm. uh, it's, yeah, it's like he, he, he likes, you know, people dependent upon him. Um, nice right? yeah. you know, got no business, you know, it's like, Nope. Mm. You stand on your own two feet and, you know, yeah, that makes sense. Lots lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. it, feels like, it feels like such a study every time. Yeah. Like, I come prepared with notes, and then everybody starts talking. You're like, oh, wow, my head's swimming. You know, <laughs> yeah. There's so much stuff going on. Yeah. yeah and uh, Janie mentioned something about the... Uh, the interaction between Trath and Alara again. Yeah. Oh, I love Trath. I, I think Trath's so interesting. Um, I, I think she might um, have jumped ahead a little there because I'm like, wait, Trath and Alara don't meet Haven't until met yet. Yeah. the next oh, right. chapter. That's because uh, I was kind of yeah, sk skimming through looking for that and I'm like, hmm, where the hell? <laughs> <laughs> but Trath seems to have a a more standoffish view than everybody else of everything else that's going on, kind of like, yeah, less yeah. controlling and more kind of like, okay, let's watch and see what's happening here. But it seems to have a good idea of what's what's happening. It it sort of implied that I mean we haven't seen Asandir and Sadvir turn into their spirit forms to travel, but it sort of implied that Jade is stuck in his physical body, right? So mm. yeah, um, yeah, I've. Been wondering whether Asandir and Sadvir have that power, or if Karadmon and Luhain are also stuck in their own way in the physical form because they don't ever change. Like they only, um, I guess, they use an illusion to present themselves when they want yeah, to. Yeah, they're both. Karadmon and Luhain are um, uh, both spirit form. Um, right. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Sethir and Asander could go that way, but I think it's it's like a it's a uh, it's a one way road. <laughs> oh, um, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so far as we know at this time, mm. um, and they're not sure if Traith can actually, you know, with him being injured, could actually, you know, do it. So. Mm. Um, and then there's this one that Jenny mentioned, and. Um, I, I would recommend if anyone has it, you know, or hasn't picked it up, is to read the gallant, you know, where she oh, asks yes. the, the notes here. She's like, and oh. you were seeing them from the client's perspective. Ask yourself, do you really understand the culture yet? Um, I don't think there's a whole lot that gives you, you know, much of an insight other than to the clan culture, you know, as to, you know, um, you know, as far as the division. But I think if you read the gallant, you get a better idea that you know like i said this is very much not a medieval feudal you know king system there's a lot more going on here yeah right huh. hmm. more books to read good yeah i was yeah. wondering it's when i was gonna squeeze pages. it goes very quickly um <laughs> i will even happily you know um i'll go buy a copy and you know uh send it email it to people if you want <laughs> 
I think I acquired it a few weeks ago. Gallant, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, that's it. It's uh, about we we meet him briefly in this one during the um, Mirthful Lane Swamp stuff. You know, it's about varying. Mm. Is that it? Is that only an ebook, or is that? It seems to be only an ebook. Um, yeah. It's. Uh, I I believe she's only. Uh, there there was a collection of. Um, it was an ebook collection that. Um, uh, it originally published in, which is where I have it. Um, um, I don't know if that's still uh, still available on Amazon, I, at least from the way her uh, she mentions on her store. I don't think it is. No, so, it was a limited run book, Secrets and Spells. I think she be published. This was called released a limited run uh, promotion by Types Books, but no longer available. So yeah. uh, I put the. Um, I put the link in the in the in the chat there. Maybe Stephen copy it in yeah. the or whoever. Need to go through and get the ones I don't have because I, I I or I have them all in the short stories in their original releases, and I don't have all of the books handy anymore. So I'm like, I need these. I want to read these. I don't remember anything that happened in this here. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, I gotta read that at some point. I've got my copy. Yay! Nice. <laughs> that was fast. Yeah. <laughs> on mine, I, I had emailed it to myself because I didn't want to keep logging into the website. Nice. Wow. And she does mention from her notes that brace for 16 through 18 because there the hammer falls. <laughs> I thought everything happened these five chapters. That's what I. That's what I thought. Shut up. What a con. Wow. wow. Everything always happens in the next set of chapters. Like we'll get to the end of this and our, our notes will be wait for the next book because that's where everything really happens. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Hype, yeah. hype, hype. <laughs> Good stuff. Cool. Yeah. Anything else you guys can think of? That was, that yeah, was pretty good. I'm like, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because I thought I had a pretty good grasp, and then, like, I think Chris, you said it, like, everyone starts talking, I'm like, uh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But but it's interesting, because I thought this set of five chapters was probably the easiest to understand, and kind of make my way through Mm -hmm. on the moment to moment, and kind of Mm -hmm. think, right, that's what's happening there, those events are what's happening, this makes a bit more sense, and yet, it's just another set of layers to sit Mm -hmm. on top of the layers that I had beforehand. Yeah. 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 Um, well, it's a bit of, and this this is this is kind of style I think she's mentioned before, is you know she tends to have like the mid, um, mid to two thirds of the way through climax, and then mm. everything melts for just a little bit before you get the final climax, and it just rolls right mm. into there. It's like this one we hit the, you know, uh, conquest being the the like the mid climax, and then. You know, little little bit of you know downtime, and then everything, uh, you know, just erupts from there. So. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't expecting conquest or like the defeat of the mistake to be in the middle chapters. I mean, obviously it's not like fully done, but I thought that would be the end of the book. But it was the middle almost, so that that was very interesting. I'm, I'm gonna betray you know my my. Um, 
my, my gaming habits here, but it's, it's um, not dissimilar to, uh, um, in that respect, to the latest expansion of Final Fantasy XIV, um, where they'd been, you know, over the course of the games, they'd been building up to, uh, you know, what everybody thought was going to be you know, your final boss. And we thought that this one character, you were going to fight him as the final boss. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anyone's playing 14 and is in the newest expansion, um, you might want to, you know, mute your mute me. But um, and then you get into the expansion and you get to level, you know, 83. And then you're fighting what you thought was going to be the final boss. And you're just like, wait, what? Why is this <laughs> happening now? What, what's coming next? <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's not dissimilar to the idea of the idea. Like the book is called Curse of the Mistwraith. It doesn't it didn't say defeat the Mistwraith. It doesn't yeah. you know it's not yeah. called any of that. So it's literally, you know, what when we when that happened and then we got the curse, I was like, Oh well obviously this is what the book's yeah. really about. Yeah, it's emphasis yeah. on the curse, yeah. <laughs> yeah, until we got to that chapter, I thought the curse of the mistrate was just the fact that it existed. Is this the land yeah. was uh, uh, cursed with the existence of the mistrate. But um, yeah, you're right. Like the, the part where it actually curses the brothers is now where this, what the book is about. <laughs> right, yeah, <laughs> which is cool. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so yeah. So next week we have the rest of the book with Jenny. Lots of questions for her next week. Yes. Lots of things. Uh, lots of things to discuss. Might not be talking to her by then. This might be <laughs> maybe meet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, in the meantime, uh, Chibi Po, you want to tell us where people can find you if they want to get in touch with you? Uh, sure. Um, I I do have a YouTube, but there's nothing there. Um, but, uh, but you know, you can message me there. I also I'm on Twitter at. Uh, it's uh, po one because um, someone you know had already gotten the one before I joined Twitter. Um, though you know, I'll, I'll, I'll grab just here of late. It's such a pain to find anything on Twitter. I'm like, I go to you know, look for things, and I'm like, why is this such a mess? And then I realize why, and I'm like, oh, I just feel depressed. Because I actually <laughs> liked it, but it's kind of gone downhill. But anyway, yeah. sorry. Um, but yeah, I can be found there. Yes, and Chris. Uh, you can find me on my YouTube channel, which is just my name. You can find me on Twitter at 7 o'clock shadow. You can find me on the Patreon forums uh, with plenty of the other people that are here. And uh, Jared? Uh, you can find me on my YouTube channel, The Fantasy Thinker. And um, you can also, uh, I'll also be on the page Chewing Forums. And uh, I'm on Instagram at The Fantasy Thinker as well. Nice. And Varsha? Best outro, you have the best one. <laughs> uh, on my YouTube channel, Reading by the Rainy Mountain, and the About page has more ways to contact me. <laughs> I don't know why I never thought to say that. <laughs> what a pro. Yeah. That's a pro move right there, Varsha. Well, cool. Well, thanks, everyone. And we will see everyone next Saturday for our live stream with Jenny. Come by and say hello. But You'll be spoiled if you haven't read the book. So heads up. <laughs> so, uh, cool. So we'll see everyone next week. Yes. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Bye bye.